welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Episode 116 of the Yak Sports Podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. I am Leela McRae. Joe Deck is with me. And we're going to open up with some lo- what matters to you locally the most here with some BHSL talk. And then we'll dive into the bottomless pit of Virginia Tech, hate talk, and Justin Fuente, get out of here talk. So, starting with VHSL, Joe, they released some guidelines last week that will help these teams prepare and organize ahead of getting these seasons kicked off in December. Um, The main thing that came from these guidelines that, that created these guidelines coming out was Northam changing the rules for what can happen in phase three. You and I, I think, on the podcast had said, hey, if we stay in phase three, we're not having a season. But that was as is. So I'm happy that there's like a medium here. We don't aren't out of phase three. There'd be no reason with science to take us out of phase three. But to adjust the rules to try to get something going, I'm comfortable with the idea of it. We just have to see how things go. And so these guidelines go with that. Number one, the headline is, it's like 250 people in attendance for events. Well, at, or less, depending on the venue. Or less. Yeah, depending on the venue. What was it, 25% or something? Yeah. Um, I think in most of our local gyms, I think a lot of a lot of gyms will still be able to get 250 people in there, um, including the players under that under those rules. So that's the big thing. Uh, where that's start, and that's for everybody. That's for... I don't know. Um, Do you think a lot of these gyms can fit 1,000 people? Because that's when 250 is the number. Yeah. Okay. I I mean I, I I think Riverheads can, and I don't think there's many gyms smaller than Riverheads. So. All right. Anyway, we're we're arguing about a point that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll relook that up, but I I just I didn't really get held up there. Um. So anyway, that includes players, referees, coaches, everybody. So that I mean affects you and I and what we like to do for coverage of this high school sports and. Uh, radio, like how how many times are they going to be letting multiple radio guys in to cover something? That's something yet to be figured out, and we and honestly, you and I are just uh, pawns in that decision. So we'll sure. find out how that affects you and I. But what people have to remember with that, I mean, I've seen and heard some reaction from that, and it's about the kids playing. Like it's not about the fans watching. It's about the kids playing. It's we want these kids to have a season. Last spring, everybody was complaining. These these baseball players, these soccer players, these track runners, they're not even getting a chance for a senior season. Well, here's a year later, and we're wanting these kids to have a senior season and and junior season and sophomore season. So it's all about the kids playing. And I think some people have forgotten that focus. Um, you know, parents should be the first people in line to be able to see this. But past that, you might not be able to go see your friend play. You you might not be able to see your cousin's friend's sure. kid play football. Like, it's just where we're at. So um, I'm not too hung up on that. Where I do start seeing some things past the obvious, we're not going to be spitting, we're not going to be chewing seeds in baseball. It starts to get into some funny stuff here with, the jump ball of basketball, you're not going to go out at midcourt to start the game and do a jump ball. But then immediately someone's going to shoot a basketball and two people are going to be jumping up for basketball underneath the backboard. So I just I don't understand the motivation of that. Well, not to mention that someone's going to be within six feet of somebody else at all times in their face trying yes. to guard them. Like, yes, I, I don't understand the jump ball thing. Yeah, it just kind of I guess with hip, hip, 
hypocrisy of it all. Yeah, and with the no spitting or seeds or that stuff, like... That makes sense. That's are obvious. we enforcing that though? Like, what yeah, I needed to say. What happens if that happens? I need it needs to be spelled out. If that happens, the umpire sees it. You're ejected. Otherwise, it's going to happen. Yeah, and and, and maybe it is. We like, saw it in MLB. I, I I think maybe even like okay, spitting. You get like a warning or something. But like if you have seeds, that's that's like that's blatant planned going against the rules. If you just randomly spit out there out of habit of. I mean, shoot, I'm walking around the yard now and I might hawk a big loogie like down on the ground. Like I could see a kid kind of just forgetting that, especially playing baseball. But if you put seeds in your pocket before that or if you have a mouthful of seeds, there should be no warning there. I mean, it should. I mean, that's blatant, you know, going against the rules. I, I guess that's where the main conversation we will go through a couple more of these rules. The enforcement of it all is where it really gets you and where the one that stood out the most is probably the one that affects gameplay the most for soccer on free kicks, um, penalty kicks. You're used to, especially if the ball's near the goal. I'm pretty much, you know, anywhere within reach of the goal, the soccer players line up in a line and they try to make a wall and there's strategy to that. You're trying to block the goalie. You're trying to get position. You're trying to be in a position to break for the ball. They apparently are trying to keep three feet between each player on that. I don't see how any, I don't see how they're going to enforce that because as soon as the player starts moving towards the ball, people will be leaning, even if you've enforced it before that. But I, that one's just strange to me. And it go and it reminded me going back to the basketball of the jump ball. Like, why are we keeping these players apart from each other for this one split instance when it's all going to be for not a second later? What just either, either we're playing or we're not playing. I mean, there's things you can do on the sideline, like for football, where the kids have, they can go down to the 10 yard line now so they can spread out on the sideline. Sure. They can have longer timeouts and, um, and longer timeouts between scores. so They can disinfect the ball. Sure. Fine. But this stuff that's affecting the play of the game, I just don't see it being enforced. And if it is, will it be consistent across the board? And it's also hypocritical of moments later in action. Yeah, it goes back to my point uh, back when all this started and reading and, uh, you know, critiquing comments made that we heard from others on this podcast about, you know, like soccer can be played social distance. Not if you've ever watched soccer. Um, so and kind of like you said, uh, keeping three feet on the free kick walls just doesn't make sense when the rest of the game people are going to be on top of each other. And the ball is going to be kicked around with multiple people being within six feet of that ball. So I'm looking down, um, panting or sweating all over the ball. And then it gets kicked into a goalie's hands. And uh, so then you might say, okay, well, what about corners? Are you going to keep three feet between people on corners? Because that's going to be a jumbled zoo in that box when there's a corner. I I would assume it that way based on. Okay, well, that doesn't make any sense because then you're really putting the goalie at a disadvantage when his defenders can't be within three feet of somebody. But then that's the same difference on a free kick from a lot of places on the field. The the only difference would be or a penalty. Uh, I mean, like well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's we're diving into if the the wall if the wall is the only thing that's three feet separated, then it gives the goalie at least they can see the ball. it's going to, yeah, it, you would like to have some defenders to cut off certain angles of the goal, but you'll be able to see it versus a corner. They're going to definitely be crossing it into a teammate who's going to have a point blank header at the goalie who then basically is like, oh, well, hope he misses. Um, yeah, I, 
some of these yeah. rules I just don't understand when paired with what's going to happen for the game. Yeah, for seconds later, it's going to be different. All the logistical stuff that like you're trying to before the game or the setup of the sidelines, like fine, like great. That's mm-hmm. great thinking. Like uh, the volleyball one I didn't even think about was that if before the game, the coaches and referees meet, and if there's no disadvantage to this for a, for a team, then the volleyball is just going to stay on one side. So instead of after match one, you switch sides and sit on the other bench and play on that. You'll just stay on the one side. Makes sense. And that's no big deal. And I, I don't know of a local gym where that would actually be a problem. So it seems like, okay, that's, that's going to be instituted. Like I said, for the football, the more sideline play uh, space for wrestling, try to have smaller meets. Wrestling is just the, <laughs> the opposite of, of social distancing. Right. I understand that. But at least like logistically, if you're not going to have like a six team meet, you know, you might have just one on one meets or or three teams total. Like I at least you're just throwing less people into that situation. Yeah, I, I get it. You're still, though, going to have people wrestling. Yeah, like, but I, I <laughs> this would be like if for football or for basketball, instead of saying no jump ball, they said, look, we want less players, more space on the floor. So three V three, it would be, you know, people would groan and complain, but that would make more sense to me than a no jump ball. Yeah. So for wrestling, having fewer people, yeah, for, for wrestling, having fewer people in the gym or auditorium or wherever it's taking place and, and wrestling in the meet, that makes sense. Like limiting the number of people makes sense. Well, we will get, uh, I'm sure more clarifications on all this as we go on. Um, At some point we'll try to update the listeners. I know a lot of people listen into our podcast, do listen on Friday nights and uh, whenever we call basketball on whatever nights basketball is being played. Uh, we'll try to update you with what the station is choosing to do. Like I said, we have no decision in that. We or is allowed be, to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We will be told what we're allowed to do and who's involved for that. And we will go from there. So update all of that at a later date. And uh, obviously something we'll continue to talk about as the season gets closer. Hey, we're like a month this out, you know, middle of middle of December, everything's supposed to get going here. So uh, it's getting closer and closer. I, I, I just wish, general numbers looked better for this but we're forging ahead well, that, it looks like that ship has sailed yep we'll take a moment away from COVID here we'll we will have to circle back to it um but on to actual sports being played and this is uh more negative than pandemic talk um <laughs> virginia tech and this is joking obviously virginia tech lost this weekend um you could see it coming you could just see it coming. We're so inconsistent, Virginia Tech football is, that you you could just see this team in Liberty who's ranked for the first time and really celebrating and has some talent over there. You could just see, yeah, this is one of those games where Fuente just doesn't have our guys ready to go. We saw one two weeks ago. We've seen it in past seasons with ODU. We've seen it in past seasons with even higher talent higher class teams with like duke and wake forest and wake forest bad years we just don't show up to every game and it's so disappointing that i have you know this whole probation period that i talked about for fuente after we got trampled by duke last year at home that's over it's no probation anymore i want him gone and every moment that he is not gone from this moment of me saying it forward is wasting our time for the future. This guy's not going to get it done. He's too inconsistent in preparation. 
Um, and I'm not just saying it's just him, but him and his staff don't always have our players ready to go. And our defense is absolutely terrible. And it doesn't seem like we're really making adjustments um, to what we're seeing defensively. I know offensively in some other games this season, we've gotten better in the second half when we do see some adjustments. I think it's just being a little bit smarter in play call and stop being so um, similar like we are in the first and second quarters every game. We just do the same things. But we we have to be better ready than we are. And so, Joe, you've been driving this bus. I'm, I'm not going to sell you short at all. I'm not trying to make it like this is my outlandish thought. You've been on this for two years plus. Mm-hmm. Since the ODU loss. Yep. Every moment he coaches this team further is a waste of our time. And I am ready to see it end. I am ready to see it end tomorrow if need be. Um, yeah, it's not going to tomorrow. Uh, but no, let's, let's, let's go it ahead. going to this year, man. I think at the end of the year, he's done. I think I his time think is done. I don't think they'll do it. I, I think financially they won't do it. And that's I, what, Here's the cost-benefit analysis discussion that's going to happen. And I think this is going to be what changes the meter. I hope so. Virginia Tech already is not having a lot of donations to the athletic program. They're constantly asking for more and more money from people because they're not getting the amount that they want. Um, add that there's a pandemic. I know that already adds another financial hit to the athletic department, but it also no means thanks. donations are fewer. So add that on Twitter Saturday after that game. There was no one, and I mean no one, happy with Justin Fuente. Even his staunchest allies turned on him Saturday after that game. I think what that athletic department is going to see and the boosters and the Hokie club is going to see is, okay, if we want these people to donate in this difficult time, we have got to show that we're trying to improve the program. And the best and quickest way to improve the program is get rid of this guy who has not done anything of consequence the entire time he's been here. The entire Justin Fuente era has been him taking Frank Beamer's kids, getting to an ACC championship, losing that game, but playing very well. And then each year after that, disappointing after disappointing season. He has not been good. He has been downright atrocious. And in this Liberty game, I will give, you said the D uh, just couldn't make plays. And I will give this, uh, Hamilton's getting killed because the last play, which definitely wasn't good. Uh, the last defensive play where we, we give them, we you know, a h- 10 yards, three yards to get closer for a field goal. I guess eight yards technically, eight, but eight yards. Yep. Um, I will say this. A lot of those plays, our defense is in the right place. They're just not good and they can't make the play. Like they're just not good enough. There's too many missed tackles. That's uh, you could have Vince Lombardi coaching that defense, but if the players can't make the tackle, that's kind of on them. And so, who does that go back on? That goes back on them recruiting, and it goes back on Fuente because he can't recruit anybody. And despite being told year after year by the Fuente Hive that, oh, we don't need stars. These kids work hard. Hashtag hard hat mentality. Hashtag tough. We're hashtag, we, well, we hashtag suck. And that should be what Virginia Tech Twitter put on the at the end of the game. Hashtag sorry. Hashtag we suck. And then Quincy Patterson could have come on and said, I still love Virginia Tech and Joseph Fuente. You know, love him to death. Great. Okay, Quincy Patterson. You know what? They should change the logo to just your face because no one loves Virginia Tech more than Quincy Patterson. I'll stick by that until the day I die. But uh, there's there's these I, losses. Well, hold on. I'll get to them. But I, I'm not off Saturday yet. So, and I've got two witnesses because I was talking to two people 
during the play as it was happening. I, when Liberty and Hugh Freeze went out for that 59-yard field goal, I was like, this is great. I actually think we're going to block and house this and win the game. We don't even have to go over time. What happens? We block, we house it, I'm celebrating, and then I realize we're all going back, and they took the points off the board, and I'm like, what the hell happened? Oh, our uh, football coach called a timeout because he wanted to make sure, uh, and this is according to him in the post-game press conference, wanted to make sure we had the right personnel in for a block. Well, spoiler alert, we did. You stupid idiot. And I don't trust you to know who the right personnel is anyway. Because the fact that you called timeout to make sure tells me that you didn't think that personnel was the right personnel. And they were. Which, again, your best players are the ones you don't think are the best players. So please, stop being on the sideline. You're not good enough for this job. It's way over your head. Go coach at Memphis or some other loser program that will never matter. Don't coach at Virginia Tech. This team hasn't won a conference championship in close to a, well, it is, a decade now. and. We're not going to win one, and we will never win one with you at the helm. This is the Titanic. We have already hit the iceberg. People are already on the life rafts, and Matt in Virginia or whatever other Twitter profile that's still saying he needs more time, you know what? Fine. Keep playing the violin and die in the icy water. I'm not going to be there with you. It's time to abandon ship. This This guy has no, no signature win. We have not beaten a single team that has finished the season ranked with Justin Fuente as the head coach. That is not a good football team. That's a mediocre football team at best, and most years were terrible. Since the ODU game, our defense has given up more than 30 points in 18 of 31 games, and we're just 16 and 15 in those games. That is not good enough. Justin Fuente has to get the hell out of Lane Stadium and never come back unless it's on the visiting sideline as we're hanging 50 on his sorry team and rubbing his face in it. And we don't do a thank you for the memories or whatever. Because again, there's no signature win to point to. There's nothing to thank him for. There is literally nothing I would thank Justin Fuente for the entire time he's been here at Virginia Tech. Yeah. The examples of the wins that you would try to throw at this. Okay, did, when did we beat ranked teams? When did we win those, you know, ESPN Saturday night or, or Monday night, you know, primetime games? We beat a number 22 West Virginia team in an opener. If that's our signature win, that's sad. If we beat number 19 Florida State in an opener, that was as fake as a win can get. Florida State has been terrible prior to that, and then very well, since terrible. Him getting there. Since that, we thought that was great at time. It was a fun night when we did it, but nothing has proved to be true since then, and including other losses after that. that you go season. on to lose to ODU that year, yeah. Yeah, we also beat Wake Forest last year, thirty-six to seventeen. That apparently is a big win for us. That is absolutely sad and disgusting. Sure, I was in the stadium when that game happened last year. I, I had, I liked it. It was kind of the Bud Foster send off aspect they did all that in the stadium that was that was great that isn't a signature win the reason that day was special is because of the bud foster aspect it had nothing to do with beating wade forest but when people are trying to produce a list of the biggest wins we've had in the last five years under this 37 and 21 record that we've had in that time those are the wins that we can talk about we're one and three in bowl games we beat arkansas we've lost to oklahoma state cincinnati and kentucky i haven't said a team worth bragging about beating there and we're still only one three versus them we have yeah you said that zero wins against teams that finished in the top 25 
that is unacceptable. We should be finishing in the top 25 and we should have to beat teams. We finished in the top 25 his first year. Yeah. That was the first year when we beat Arkansas in that bowl game again with Frank's kids. That was the only time we finished in the top 25 and we finished 24. And that was the last time we were tough. You know, people can talk about good losses. I'm not one of those kind of people. I, I, it's a W or an L I respect that we played Clemson tough in that ACC championship game. People keep trying to go to that on Twitter. The few people on Monday that are sporting them, because you're right, on Saturday, they weren't on Twitter. It's still a loss. We still lost that game. And if we were that prepared for a great team like that, it just makes me more sick that we're not prepared each and every week for these lesser opponents. That Clemson team was great. I think they went on won the national championship that they year. Did. They did. They were great, and we were ready to play them that game. How come we can't be ready every other single week, especially against these lesser opponents? Am I offending somebody from Liberty? Deal with it. You're a lesser opponent. You don't have the same same ability to give, produce um, nationally televised games, which are a big recruiting bonus. You don't have the same facilities that Virginia Tech does. I know you're building them, but you don't have them yet. You don't have these years and years of recruiting inroads that Virginia Tech does in this state. Yet, look at the talent on the other side of that field, and they're coming, and they just beat us. And ODU can say the same thing. They just beat us at the time before they played us. And all these teams that should be lesser than where we are think that they have it up on us, and that is unacceptable. We are not where we need to be. We need a change because of these losses. 2018 against ODU, 2019 rocked by Duke at home, and 2020 versus Liberty. And that's just a few of them. We we nearly lost to Furman last year. We nearly lost to Furman. We, oh, we needed to be bailed out by the officials game. to not lose to Furman. So we just continue not to be where we need to be. I There's moments where he does the right thing. You know what? We came out against NC State this year, and we gave them credit on this podcast. Those kids were ready to play. We came out tough. We were down a lot of men. We overcame our defense, not really playing that good because our offense was did a fine job that night. We got that done. We gave them credit. Hey, you're down 23 players, and you made it happen. Good job, Justin Fuente. But we need we need consistent effort. I It's great to have these moments, but let's have consistency. And to be a top 25 contender, you have to be consistent. That's not my standard. I want to be a top 10 national championship contender, playoff contender. We are so far away from that, and we're not moving closer. We are at best treading water at moments, but overall we are falling further and further behind because if you're not getting moving forward, you're moving back. We're losing recruits. When you lose games like this, you lose recruits. They don't think we're for real. They want to go somewhere. They want to win a national championship, at least be the best team in the state, at least when they play their kids that they played in high school, the, you know, the guy beside them on the team or the rival team, when they play them at the next level, they want to beat them and they don't think Virginia tech can do it. No. And, and again, I think that's going to be the message from Saturday. He's lost to Old Dominion. He's lost to Liberty. He's lost to UVA. You cannot lose in-state games. You just can't as Virginia Tech. You just can't because nobody in the state should beat us. Nobody in the Commonwealth of Virginia should be in the game with us. We should blow them off the face of the earth. And Justin Fuente has made UVA a scary game for us now. Liberty, we can't beat. Old Dominion, we lost to. Now, we did beat them the next year. 
But the point is, you should have never lost to him in the first place. And I don't care if that game was at ODU. I don't care if they played that game on the moon. You shouldn't have lost to ODU, ever. And it's just, it's embarrassing. This guy is a complete and utter loser. And I already have seen it from folks like, who oh, Vegas favors Virginia Tech? Shrug shoulders. Maybe it would be so Virginia Tech to come back and win. Like last year, let me tell you what the difference between last year and this year was. Last year, we put our actual quarterback in the game to start that game, and it changed the entire team. This year, the quarterback's not the problem. It's the defense. So unless he has a brand new defense that he's just been waiting to unload on us and surprise us with, we're going to get killed by Miami. They're going to have 500 yards of total offense, and they're going to laugh while they're doing it. And we're going to get blown out. Okay. And I accept that, and I and I don't argue that's going to happen. Okay, but let's say we do pull up Virginia Tech of recent years and just I'd still look fire. great all of a sudden for some reason and play well. I don't care. That doesn't change my point of view about Justin Fuente. Winning against Miami but losing against Liberty is unacceptable. I don't care. You're not going to make it up to me. That You can't be where I want us to be if you're losing to Liberty. You can win Miami here. You can beat. Do we beat anybody else good this year? No, we haven't. We haven't beaten anybody good this year. No. So it doesn't matter. We've lost to Wake Forest, who is not good. We have lost to Liberty, who is at a lower level of play of football than Virginia Tech. You can't have that. And the loss against UNC looked terrible. Like we shouldn't have lost, like we should have we should have been in that ball game and instead we had to fight from behind. Like you we are not prepared. We're down 21 to North Carolina. We're not prepared. We lose to Wake Forest because we can't do anything. We're not prepared because Liberty is just right with us the entire game. And then we make coaching decisions in the game to mess us up. And you, oh, Leland, that's three games. No, this is five years of it. Too soon. He needs more time. That is, you know, when guys only been there two years, I said, give him more time. When Tyrone Willingham at Notre Dame, three years in, wasn't looking very good. I said, that dude needs more time. He's got to make it his own program. That's not what this is. This is five years. Yeah, this, this is, is his kids. This is Justin Fuente football, and it isn't good. Yeah. We need to move on. We got His recruiting classes get worse. Guys. They don't get better. They get worse. That's the other thing. He needs more time. Uh, we need to see if we can have, like, the 100th-ranked recruiting class in the country. Yeah, we have a couple NFL talent. That's great. I'm, I'm happy well, for Well, yeah, we okay, you know what? what? Where's Dalton Keene? We need more than what we have, and we need to win with it. Yeah. We're, what good is it having NFL talent? Well, you want to be UVA getting their brains beat in for 15 years by Virginia Tech by an in-state rival because you have a bunch of NFL talent, but you can't do anything with it? I don't want that. I don't think we do have NFL talent. Who's NFL talent on this team other than Herbert's Khalil Herbert? like a second, third round. We got, okay. uh, what's his face up front on the offensive line? Maybe. Um, he's real good. And we had Caleb Farley. There's three guys that are getting drafted this year in the first three, four rounds. Well, I hope they succeed. Darisol. Uh, I know we heard about um I know we heard about how great Dalton Keene was for getting drafted by the Patriots. Uh and maybe I'm just not watching Patriots games close enough. I don't think he's done anything. I think he has zero receiving yards. It's a miracle he got drafted that high. I, 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 I'm not one of those, so I don't, I don't have an argument. I, I think it's laughable that when – oh, no, he does – I'm sorry. He has one catch for eight yards on the season. So, you know, bully for him. But uh, this guy has produced very little NFL talent. 
And UVA always produced NFL talent in terms of linemen and some skill positions, but they never won. win, and that wasn't good enough. Yeah, and so we we need to move on. Yeah, it's why we need to move on from this guy. And again, like if if his defenders want to, you know, hold on to the Titanic and hope that it, you know, somehow regains its buoyancy and somehow that giant hole that is in the hull doesn't cause the boat to sink and they drown, that's fine. I'm not. I'm going to get on the lifeboat because I have eyes and I can tell when I yeah. when I see a loser. And Justin Fuente's a loser. We talked about it two weeks ago. He his only claim to fame is a co conference championship with Memphis. Yeah. If he can't win yeah, a conference I'm, championship in Memphis outright, how the hell is he going to do it at Virginia Tech? I'm done with him. I I, I am. I'm still a Virginia Tech fan. I'll still want him to win every week. I'll want him to prove me wrong somehow. I will not be a fan of him. Every moment he coaches our team is a moment too long because we're not moving in a better direction. I'm just over. UVA, go ahead. I'm just over. UVA didn't play. Oh, yeah. UVA didn't play. The game got canceled or uh, delayed a week for COVID reasons. They will play this week at 3.30. Um, If you want to know our thoughts on that game, listen back to last week because I can't remember what we said. I know. I think they'll beat Louisville. I'd rather have Rocco Mendenhall as my coach. I think they'll beat Louisville. crazy to say something like that. Yeah, I think they'll beat Louisville. Uh, Now that they have their quarterback back, their offense is demonstratively better. Um, So They would have been better off if Louisville not having their defensive front like they didn't against us. But, yeah, I mean. I mean, okay. UVA is capable of beating Louisville. We'll see what happens. Uh, Louisville hasn't exactly been a juggernaut. No. That quarterback's not good. So, and UVA has done well against some quarterbacks. That we're can move down we're the only defense that has made him look good. So I, I don't think UVA is going to necessarily have a problem against yeah. Louisville. Uh, and I'll say this um, while we're talking about UVA, this is going to sound negative, but bear with me. I don't like UVA's uniforms. They should go back to the classic ones with the blue helmet, the solid blue helmet with the white V and the orange cross swords. That was a cool uniform. I know they've rebranded or whatever, don't do it for the football team. Do it for your other sports. That's fine. Don't do it for the football team. Your uniforms were cool. Like Virginia Tech, your uniforms were better in the past. Don't Why you changed them is beyond me. Yeah, I'm not going to. I I won't be quick to say anything positive, so I'll lay off that. <laughs> we had our picks this weekend. Uh, we didn't do great pick-em-wise. Uh, well, where we only disagreed was Michigan, Indiana. And I will be dead honest with you. I said in my head, well, he'll pick Indiana. I'll take Michigan. Like that's, that was my thought logic. You nailed it. I thought it was a toss up game. I I really, uh, that's why I was okay. Picking Michigan. I'm not trying to say I wasn't wrong. I was wrong. I took Michigan, but uh, they put it to them. They were ahead of the the whole time that game uh, final 38, 21, but I mean, it was never really in doubt. You got to start looking at what Harbaugh is going to be doing. Uh, You you got to probably start looking at what NFL teams might be willing to hire him and bring him back as a, uh, I mean, he was a successful NFL coach when he left. He went back to his alma mater. So he will get another head coaching opportunity, uh, even though it has not gone well at Michigan. But I think it's back in the NFL where he's not recruiting, where he's not a college coach. I I mean, I I mean, I know that's fine, simple, but. Yeah. I, I, and he'll probably be fine. He could probably go coach the Bears next year and probably do a good job. Mm-hmm. But it's not working at Michigan, and I think it'd be best for both of them if they just get a divorce. Yeah, he's he's definitely not going to be there next year. He's gone. Um, yeah. they, they and Michigan sucks. Michigan's bad. Yeah, Michigan's bad. Okay, well, okay, let's go back to the buyout stuff. All right, with Fuente, because that's the biggest bugaboo right now, right? $12.5 million or whatever. But yeah. that can be paid out. That can be paid out over – multiple seasons it does it's not like virginia tech has to write a check for 12 and a half million dollars the problem is 
it's a program that already is on the line of making money or losing money every single season. And I mean, two years ago, we were losing money every single season. These last two years were a little bit better. Um, I, I don't think with what is happening right now with no fans in the stands, um, the uncertainty ahead of us, I just don't see them pulling that trigger. I want them to, I'm just looking at, the priorities of an AD, I just don't see him making that decision. I am rooting for him too. I am rooting for there to be the Fire Fuente Fund that actually gets people to donate money to it. Um, and I think if that happens, they should. He should say, "I will accept this money if everybody put in this money sends in the exact same payment to the Hokie Fund to move forward with." I that fine. Let's do it. Everybody should donate double then to get rid of Fuente and get somebody good in there. But either way, I hope he does it. I just don't see it happening i just don't see it happening i don't we're, we we've been bad for too long football wise we've been bad at too long raising money wise that i just i just don't see how wit does it you and i spoke a little bit earlier that wit just needs to write off his losses here you know what i didn't think this was a bad hire when we made it yeah on paper it looked good he was a rising coach a good offensive mind we've kind of been struggling with you know, offensive coordinators doing what we want, um, being um, what we want them to be at the end of the Beamer era. I was fine with the hire when it came. You weren't arguing with the hire. And Wit is not a, it wasn't a bad decision by Wit, but the longer he holds on to him, the more it will look like a bad decision by Wit. It's the bad decision to keep him. Yeah. I mean, and people treat, keep trying to compare. Well, the last five years of Beamer compared to this first five years of Fuente, and here's how. Well, even the first the five, years, five of Beamer. years of Beamer was not acceptable. The last five years truly wasn't acceptable. Beamer was fighting like crazy to hold on to something to to leave it better than he came with because it was dipping back down to where it was when he came there, and he was trying to make it good and leave it good for the next person. I think he kind of thought he maybe could hold on long enough for Shane to be ready. He wasn't. It didn't. But well, okay, can we Beamer? earned that by taking us to a national championship, taking us to ACC championships seven times, winning five of them, or whatever the stat is. Just multiple years of 10 wins plus year after year after year after year. Beamer earned it. Fuente, with a similar record in these five years that you keep wanting to say, has not earned anything. I've already talked about how he has no big wins. He has no ACC championships. He's earned nothing. He's got to go. Got to go. I don't uh, Beamer should have gotten out sooner. That's the, that's the truth of it. I think we all acknowledge that when Beamer was going out was, eh, this should have happened sooner, but you earned this. Don't compare to Beamer. Well, you aren't I, Beamer. I've You're also seen the guys and making them NFL players. I've also seen the, well, Fuente's first five compared to Beamer's first five. And I'm like, uh, we're talking apples and oranges here. One of these guys, 82 or 84. Yeah, well, Beamer inherited a team that was a literal dumpster fire. Now, Fuente, if we give him time, we'll make it a dumpster fire, but, and it may already be well on its way to a dumpster we were fire. Playing, we were a lower class of football team. We yeah. were playing in a, a power five conference. And I know yeah. things, the landscape was different then, but we were an independent school. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's totally I agree. It's totally different. And that argument makes me mad, too, because I'm like, OK, no one was playing on Saturday nights. I just <laughs> it, it's so ridiculous when people start bringing that. It's and again, it's just like the the hardest of his hive that comes out like one or two days. They peep their they peek their head out of the hole and like, hey, is it safe? 
No, we need to make it not safe for them. We need them to be scared all the time so they disappear and that the only thing Whit Babcock hears is my football coach is making people not want to watch games. That's what he needs to hear. He doesn't need to hear, well, if I, you know, I run a business and uh, if I was running this athletic department, I'd run it like a business and I wouldn't admit defeat and not change my coach. (laughs) You know what? Do me a favor and try not to apparently run your business into bankruptcy if you have someone of Justin Fuente's caliber running an actual important business. Because when I read that, I think you're an idiot. And it's important that people know that. If you're still defending Justin Fuente, I think you're an idiot. I don't think anything positive of you. I think you might be the worst person to ever express an opinion on Twitter. And that's saying something. Because you have no concept of reality. We just don't live in a place where you can hire Beamer in 87 or 88. I can't remember the exact year. Whatever it was. And wait till 1999 to have... Well, okay. 90s, I was going to say. They went to a sugar bowl. Yeah. Like, he got better. The first couple years was tough. And then it was continual growth if he has the next year bad he probably is gone then like he was one he was within a year of getting gone yeah he got it going Fuente's missed his shot there and we are in a different time the pressure is more on and you're not comparing to 1992 you're comparing to Dabo Sweeney you're comparing to Nick Saban you're comparing to the teams that are in the national championship picture year in year out because that's what we want to be Look what Mac Brown is doing. They hired Mac Brown at UNC, and I laughed at him. I said, that old guy's not going to get recruits down there. Now, I don't know how he's getting them, but he's getting the job done. Yeah. They're winning ballgames. They beat us, which that's not saying much, but they are. They have fire in the program. They're headed in the right direction. They might have a disappointing loss here and there, but they're getting far and fewer between, and they're headed in the right direction. I, I So I don't want to hear it. We, we are a better football school than North Carolina. Doesn't look that way right now because of Justin Fuente. That's a basketball school, and they're winning at football. We're like, going to be a basketball stop school. comparing to 1992. It's irrelevant. we got to compare to who we want to beat now. Do we want to be better than 1992 Virginia Tech, or do we want to be better than Clemson? I want to be better than Clemson. Okay, well. Jealous is crap of that. I think the answer is somewhere in between, but yeah. Um, but I, I want to be within reaching distance. I want to be sure. able to like, say, hey, you know, we have this new running back, or man, this guy's better than we thought he was. We can make a run this year. We are six people on each side of the ball away from that. Yeah, maybe once every four years you win the ACC or something. I mean, I don't know. But I, I, I just... No, I don't want that. I want to be a contender for the ACC every single year like okay, well, we that's... were 10 years ago. We got to get back to Well, that. the ACC is different than it was 10 years who ago. Who are we beating out? We're, who are we trying to beat out for that? UNC. Okay. Who else? Clemson. Tech. Who? Clemson. Well, in one game, we got to get, get to the ACC. We got to win the Coastal to get there, and we're not even close to that. I'm starting. North Carolina is better. Game. North yeah. Carolina is better. Miami's starting to get better again. So who's saying we can't do that? Why can't we be ten win team every year? Why can't we? Our head coach is the answer, and it's got to change. Well, I mean, I'm not disagreeing there, but. <sighs> It's not too much to think that we should be in contention for 10 wins and an ACC championship game appearance. Give us a chance to win. Look at the last time we were in the game. We had a chance to win that ball game. Just get me there. Get me there. If we were making ACC championship games every year, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Before we move off of college football, man, I wish we had played Penn State this year because maybe that's the one team we could beat. That team's bad. 
Someone said, let's trade coaches. I honestly would love James Franklin compared to Justin Fuente. Oh, I would too. At least, Ke- at least Keen and Michael Key would show up every once in a while. Yeah, I, I would too. I'll, I'll say this too uh, about Virginia Tech, just to drive home the sad. Um, we might not win another game because that quarterback picket is back for Pitt now, and we might not win another game. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the games before we get n- super negative. <laughs> Florida roll Georgia. That shocked me. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, that was disappointing. Uh, Georgia maybe Georgia's good, but they're not top ten good. Yeah, and they're, and they're done um, for the national championship talk. Notre Dame had to win that game against Clemson on Saturday night to stay in the playoff talk. I think legitimately. The more yeah. talk I heard all week, if they lose to Clemson without three of their best defenders and their quarterback, you can't rightfully say you belong in that playoff. Otherwise, to potentially set up what would end up being a third meeting because these two teams are going to face in the ACC championship game. They won the game, so they did what they had to do. It was an epic Saturday night NBC game. Man, Mike Tirico calls a good game. And Notre Dame won the game. So that sets up what will probably be the rematch in the ACC championship game where I think Clemson wins by 17 if they're fully forced. If they have Trevor Lawrence and they have their defenders, they win by at least two touchdowns. So um, then, though, you can make a better argument for Notre Dame still sliding in there at number four. I don't want that. I think that needs to be a play-in game, but I, it does give Notre Dame winning this game was the only way they even had a shot. So now um, this is it with, with losing ACC championship. So we'll see what happens there. It was a heck of a ball game. It was awesome. I mean, there was moments down the stretch. Most people saw it. It was an awesome game. Um, Obviously awesome, but that leads us to back to COVID talk a little bit. That game ended, and the field, the fans rushed the field, the students. They only had students and staff in the stands, and they rushed that field like it's 2019, like nothing's wrong in this world, <laughs> and just rushed the field, everybody on top of each other. And I don't care if they're wearing masks or not. It's a dumb move. You, it just drives back to your immediate point. You can't trust having these stands, these fans in the stands. You, it's a perfect point you've made week after week on this podcast that you can't depend on these kids to make the right decisions. You show a game in Georgia and you see a bunch of kids standing there without any masks on. You can't trust them to behave. You can't trust them. You can, you have to have barriers in there to keep them off that field from around these players. Like I am scared of the news that could come out of this. Hopefully nothing. Hopefully I'm worried about uh, nothing. I just don't see that happening considering we see the Dodgers now with like nine cases of COVID, you know, two weeks after, uh, Justin Turner. Was oh, I didn't hear field. that. Is that true? Oh yeah. One family member and like eight players. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't Who could have predicted that? that? I mean, I don't know. I guess if there was a way MLB could have maybe, day. I don't know, maybe if there was some kind of rapid test where they could have gotten the test before they played, Maybe they could have solved this. I don't know. But I, I, I guess I'm speaking in hypotheticals where we don't have that kind of stuff. So especially someone with the, you know, mere meager pennies that Major League Baseball is able to bring in every year. So on top of this, you get the news of Wisconsin-Purdue canceled. That's Wisconsin's second game canceled. Uh, Arizona. Oh, before we move off that, Wisconsin now, if they have one more game canceled the rest of the year, is not eligible for the Big Ten Championship. Well, their quarterback's still out another week, too. Um, Arizona, Utah canceled Washington, California canceled that. Those were all last week upcoming Auburn versus versus Michigan, uh, Mississippi state. I, I, I pulled it Mississippi state. I did the same thing she did. Uh, Mississippi state that's postponed. They could potentially play that game on the same day as the sec championship game. If neither of those two teams are supposed to be in it, they won't be. <laughs> spoiler they alert. Play the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Up, uh, upcoming 
Air Force, Wyoming, canceled this week. And now, this evening, they're talking about Alabama LSU is in serious jeopardy of being oh, canceled because of COVID cases at LSU. CBS is crying if that's the, if that's the case. Oh, who cares? It's I'm just, not watching that game whether it's played or not. LSU is going to get destroyed. A big circle of negative with COVID, and it's this is why people had hesitations about playing. Because these people that are testing positive, we don't know really what can come from this virus after they've had it. And we're putting these people in positions to spread. And that this this is the reason people were trying to keep college football from happening. It's called the presidents of the Big Ten universities. Mm-hmm. It's called, you know, the conferences that did cancel. It's called FCS football. They were trying to keep people safe. And we are seeing at least a little bit of what can happen. I hope it doesn't get worse. I hope we'd still be able to finish this college football season. I didn't think we'd make it through a major league baseball season. We did. I hope we can make it through this college football season. These are some bad signs. I mean, it's, it's really something when you're canceling multiple games from your opening weekend of the Pac-12 season, that's already waited so long to play. Big 10's having the problem too. Yeah. So, and, and you know, not you know, to get political, but it's it's my one concern when I see, you know, parties in the street or whatever. I get the person that those people voted for one. They're very happy. I understand. But the pandemic does not go away because a certain yeah. person lost. Like, COVID nope. is still here. You still have to social distance. You still have to wear masks. And it's not really an option. So, it, And the news networks kept wanting to say, well, we see a lot of people in masks. That's fine. It'd just be a lot safer if they weren't even out there. And yeah. I know people want to come together and feel that sense of community. I really do get that. It's just, it's scary. It's scary. But in a just pandemic. like, yeah, you just like it's bad. I was going to say, just like it's bad that the Notre Dame students rush the field, it's yeah, bad same. that these the people across the country and these major cities are still doing this. It's like, guys, we are having the worst two weeks in the history of the country for this pandemic. Yeah. It's not going to get better if we keep doing this kind of stuff. So. Um, that's okay. No one's listened to doctors yet. And this is where we are. So why would you start listening? I guess we'll see if it can get worse. So hey, maybe we can about, kill a million Americans. I don't know. Let's see. We talked about UVA playing Louisville next week. It's at three 30 in the afternoon on the ACC network. So who would have thought, Hey, UVA fans next week. If you have Comcast, you will have a chance to see your team play because they play Albine Christian at 4 p.m. on on Regional Sports Network. That's in two weeks. So look forward to your first game Masson, on a, right? on yeah, like Masson. Yep. So might be blacked out in your area if you're trying to watch online. So <laughs> good good luck. Well, um, you skipped over our shellacking on ESPN two on national TV. So no, I guess no, no, you won't no, be no. able to I'm complain. To I'm coming. I'm, I'm getting there. You won't be able to complain that we're not a, hidden on the ACC network. Yeah, this Miami game that we have coming this week at noon, ESPN2, everybody will get to see it. But just in the sense of what I've been complaining about for the last weeks, it's it's good that an ACC game is on ESPN2 at noon. It's good for the ACC. Bad for Virginia Tech because we're going to get rocked by Miami doing it. But it's good for the ACC to be in that spot. I'm tired of seeing these lesser games on ESPN, ESPN2, when ACC games should be a priority to get there. Uh, they also announced that Virginia Tech's game with Pitt – because we're playing Pitt, Virginia Tech versus Pitt. That's two teams that home fans don't have Comcast. Got to be on ACC Network. It is 4 p.m. in two weeks, so we'll talk more about that game next I'll week. I'll say this. All right. We're playing Miami, so that's why it's on ESPN, too. That's fine. But if we hadn't been playing Miami, Coastal Carolina or Cincinnati is more deserving of ESPN, too, than we are. Okay. 
Um, NFL. I mean, that's just not really my point, but that's fine. NFL. I want to attack this more as where we are midway through the season here because we are exactly in the middle of the season. I get that. So, Before we do that, I want to touch on your Steelers. The Ravens won. The Washington football team lost. Your Steelers. And more importantly, the other side of the ball, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I went to JMU, and I'm going to be very delicate on how I say this. Um. We posted that Ben DiNucci was the first ever JMU quarterback to start in the NFL. Fine. We should not put that out anymore because they went and signed a guy named Garrett Gilbert, and in less than a week, he learned the offense and ran it better than Ben DiNucci could ever dream. Um, Yes, Ben DiNucci went to JMU. Yes, he started an NFL game. Yes, that is something that JMU should celebrate when it happens. But don't keep bringing it up. Don't, Don't post it again. Because it was bad. He didn't play well. Anybody objectively watching that game will tell you he did not play well. And I don't think it's going to get better. Uh, there are some people that think if he take if he keeps working, keeps practicing, and, you know, oh, well, he didn't have a preseason and didn't have this, didn't have that. I've got news for you. The guy was maybe above average at JMU. He is terrible in the NFL. He had to go to JMU because he couldn't beat out Nathan Peterman for the job at Pitt. And if the name Nathan Peterman sounds familiar, it's the guy that took over for Tyrod Taylor and then flamed out in about three games because he could not stop throwing interceptions. He's just not very good, and that's okay. It's like JMU. I'm always surprised when JMU celebrates like Scott Norwood. I'm like, his most famous moment in his playing career was missing a chip shot that cost the Buffalo Bills the Super Bowl. In their defense, at least Scott Norwood, outside of that one moment, was actually a good kicker. I'll give him that. But I just, you kind of need to let this one go. This guy is not good. Don't even joke about him being good because it's just, it's not a thing. I don't know how he's on an NFL roster. I can't believe he got drafted. You just got to let this one go, though, before it gets any more embarrassing. JMU should not root for him to get in any more games, ever. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, the Steelers were terrible in that game, and I'll take that. Um, Steelers play bad in games all the time, um, even when they're good. So I'll, I'll take that. It was bad. It's a bad signal. I'm not going to change what that was. But, yeah, I think your point's at quarterback on the, other, on the opposing side, 100%. Um, yeah. All right. Again, that was Gary Gilbert's first start, too. And he looked, you know, I mean, not good, but he didn't look like a disaster. And that was less than a week of preparation for him. So... Well, he played against a pro defense last spring in the XFL. So it's far superior to anything that Danucci saw in the CAA. So it's just makes sense. I don't know why they didn't do that a week sooner. Like, I didn't know why they were going to that game with Danucci. Like, just go find somebody. I think they found out how bad that could be. Oh, as I'm listening to a, I'm listening to a well, he was must have been a heck of a middle school basketball player for Mike McCarthy's brother. So, all right. <laughs> Staying in the north there in the AFC, I had picked the Steelers to go to the wild card. So did you. Uh, I think we both feel confident we were right with our prediction that they'll at least make the playoffs. Uh, they're in the driver's seat at the moment mm-hmm. uh, in the AFC North. We both picked the Ravens to win that division. The Ravens are going to have to beat the Steelers on Thanksgiving night and still find another loss for the Steelers, which is possible. Um, 
I, I was going to say, I won't say it's impossible because after watching that, I didn't, yeah. well, seeing the way they played against the Cowboys, anything is possible with the Steelers week in, week out. But yeah, I, I do think the Steelers will win that division. Yeah, I think they're on the way there. Um, but I think both those teams are making the playoffs, so I think we're right in that area. In the AFC East, you picked the Miami Dolphins to win the division. I picked the Patriots to win the division. You picked the Patriots to make the wild card. Neither of us had the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs. They are a game up on the Dolphins, but the Buffalo Bills look like a playoff team. They keep mm-hmm. having big wins. You would have to think they're going to have enough wins down the street. They're seven and two right now, midway through the season. Three more wins. They're in the playoffs one way or another, especially with an additional playoff spot. Those wins are out there for the Buffalo Bills. Even just a couple of them are probably in their division. I mean, the Dolphins game probably be tough for them, and, but the Patriots, I mean, they just beat them. I think I believe they have them again. So you would think that's a winnable game. And then there's the Jets. Yeah. I, I, I still think the Dolphins can win that division. Yeah. I, the Bills and the Dolphins are definitely going the, to the playoffs, in my opinion. The Patriots are out. Um, but I like the Bills and the Dolphins in that division. And I yeah. think the Dolphins and could the, very well win it. I think the Dolphins' defense is much better than the Bills' defense, which is what's going to give them a shot. So we both missed on what the Bills are doing this season. Tua, I mean, Skip Bayless was quick that first week trying to say how Ben DiNucci was better that two weeks yeah. ago than what Tua was. <laughs> and I just laughed and thought it was the craziest thing I had ever heard. I think Tua woke up some people this week <laughs> and Ben DiNucci was standing on the sidelines watching a guy that walked in that week. I mean, Tua looked pretty good. And it, 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 it shows me what those coaches were seeing in practice to take Fitzpatrick off the field, put Tua in. So I think the Dolphins moving forward with Tua, I, I think your prediction is – isn't hurt any by Tua being quarterback. Well, and this is why I made the prediction that they would win the division. I figured at some point this season we would see Tua, and I think he's going to be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick when it's all said and done. Well, long term, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have argued that. Tua ready right now was a question mark, and he is, though. And he look, it's one is. game, right? Like, he didn't play well against the Rams, but he did against the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, if we get more like the Cardinals games than the Rams games, I think that's good news for the Dolphins. The good news for the Dolphins is even when he played bad against the Rams, they would found a way to win because their defense was so good. So I think for the Dolphins, it's going to be, can the defense keep it up and put Tua in situations where he can be successful? Kind of like with the Ravens. We're successful when our defense just balls out incredibly and puts Lamar Jackson in a situation where we have the lead and we don't have to ask too much of him. AFC South. Uh, I'll say this. I'll say this before I move off because you and I had this conversation, but we didn't have it on the podcast tonight. I would take the season to have, it. I would take a healthy Dak Prescott over Lamar Jackson. No questions asked. Dak was looking good early this season. Um, I would take Dak Prescott healthy over Lamar Jackson. If the Dallas Cowboys, in fact, if Dak Prescott comes back and looks good in one to two games back off his injury and the Cowboys want to do Lamar Jackson for Dak Prescott straight up, I would do it within a heartbeat in a heartbeat. Moving on, because I don't really have much to argue with there, but I also don't feel strongly about it. AFC South. This is where I had the Texans winning the division. That's a terrible pick. You had the Colts in there as a wild card, but you also, out of this division, had the Tennessee Titans not only winning the division, not only winning some playoff games, but going to the Super Bowl. I think I, I did have them in the wild card, so I had them making the playoffs. So we both were right that the Titans would be of substance this year their first six games really made you look smart their last two games a little bit of the op- uh, opposite there 
They lost to decent teams, though, these last two games. They lost to the Steelers. They lost to the Bills. So that's acceptable. But are you still confident with that AFC championship that you it was not the Bills. the Titans? It was not the Bills. It was the Bengals. Oh, crap. It was the Bengals, wasn't it? The Bills beat they the Seahawks this week. They played the Bills and week. beat them right before that. That's right. Yeah. Um, <sighs> their defense worries me a little bit, if I'm being honest. Their defense has been pretty bad. Um, I will just hope that the Titans offense can get it done. They play us in the next game, I believe. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, the week after next, because this week you guys have the Patriots. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess the week you after next. I do agree you haven't come up. I just don't, I'm not sure when. I couldn't remember if it was this week coming up or the week after. So, yeah, wow. Um, look, the the Titans dominated us the last time we played in the postseason. We'll see what happens in the regular season. Uh, I, I am worried about that game just because of the fact that the Titans are similar to us on offense and they have a better quarterback. So, I'm worried about that. So if the Titans called you and said Lamar Jackson <laughs> for Tannehill straight up, you're making that trade? Mm. I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I don't. Like I think team. about it. I, I think about it. I don't know. Tannehill's definitely a better passer. I don't know if I make that straight up trade. All right, moving on. AFC West. We both had the Chiefs winning that division. That looks fine. I had them winning the AFC. I still feel plenty confident with that. Sure. Um, I will. My heart isn't in that pick anymore because <laughs> I want my Steelers to optimize what they can do. If they were playing next week, I don't know how much confidence I have in my Steelers if it definitely win that game. I will be all for it. I'd probably pick it. I'd come up with how the Steelers, what the Steelers have to do, what kind of ball control, getting the ball out of Mahomes' hands and all this. I'd have the reasons that the Steelers would win that game. I just don't know how much confidence I would have in that. So I have to say I am confident with my Kansas City Chiefs pick. Um, I wouldn't change it right now. I hope to be wrong because I hope the Steelers, who are playing better than I than I thought they would as a wild card, uh, I I just I, I'll not argue with myself there. The one thing we both missed in this division is that I don't think either of us would have had the Raiders five and three right now. No, I am I am I just didn't think this Gruden stuff would work. I thought the ten year contract was stupid. I. I just don't. I guess I'm just not big on the Raiders anyway. I'm well, shocked. Okay, I mean, record right now. Yeah, they still might not make the playoffs. I'm just surprised they're in contention. There's only going to be three wild cards. I I think the Colts are better than the Raiders. I think the Dolphins are better than the Raiders. I think they actually play each other coming up, and I think that the Ravens are better than the Raiders. So, despite the Raiders beating the Chiefs, the Chiefs almost lost. And it, had Teddy Bridgewater been able to throw the ball further than two yards down the field at a time the Panthers might have been able to get a field goal shorter than 67 yards and potentially beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead, which would have given your Steelers an absolute amazing chance to have home field advantage. Hmm. Um, but now it's kind of back in that maybe, maybe not uh, with the Chiefs sitting right there, uh, I think uh, half a game behind right now because you guys haven't, or they haven't had a bye yet. We've had ours. Yeah. <laughs> NFC North to go into the NFC Green Bay Packers. We both had them winning the division. They just look more consistent than what I thought they would this year. I mean, I Aaron Rodgers putting up good stats, really actually good stats. When you look at them without the win loss total next to it, very good stats, MVP quality stats, but the inconsistent play 
them laying that egg against Tampa Bay, I think, is what surprised me the most. So we'll see what they do down the stretch. I think they win that division because there's two games up right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of these other teams, like the Bears, knock them off or the or the, even the Vikings. Like if the Vikings are playing good, I just when Green Bay's not playing well, like they've done these two games that I watched them. What was the other game? Like San Francisco or something? Yeah. Is that the other game they lost? I just I'm just surprised with that. It seems like usually when they get going, they're going, and it's not the same this year. So it just surprises me. I think they win that division, but I'm surprised by the inconsistency. The Bears aren't going to catch them. The Bears have looked pretty I don't think catch them. I just think knock bad. them off. Like, get, a, get a win on them. I, oh, maybe. The Vikings have already beaten them once. So, I mean, yeah, sure, they yeah. maybe could do it again. But yep. That's all I was saying. I, they're not gonna, I don't think they're going to pass them. I, they have to fall apart to pass them. Yeah. I just think I could see another loss from a team below them in that division. Mm-hmm. All right, NFC East, obviously, that's been the talk of this season. Everybody likes to throw down on the NFC East, and they deserve it. It's a terrible division. Everybody's terrible. Um, you know, those four teams are all going to have top 10 draft picks, might all have top eight draft picks. Well, the uh, Eagle, well, whoever wins the division won't because by rule, their playoff appearance puts their draft pick up high. So they seed the teams that didn't make the playoffs. And then, mm-hmm. well, it's going to be a lot of low uh, picks there. So at least three of them will have real top, top picks. The Eagles leading the division, basically, uh, they, they are one win up. But that tie benefits them in a lot of ways, too. They've been kind of that first place team here. But the, anybody can, anybody in that division can beat the Eagles. And uh, I picked the Eagles to win the division. You picked Dallas. Injuries killed that pick. I mean, yeah, you're not stupid for making that pick. They Their offense was rolling before that. Their defense, actually, these last two games looked a lot better and um, and, yeah. and left them in those games. Uh, so if their defense just would have come alive without Dak getting hurt, they'd probably be leading this division already. I agree. So that wasn't a stupid pick, but they're not going to win it now. No. I, I'd say if Dak was healthy, Dallas would be leading this division. I think they would have won their last two games, and I think they would be four and three. Or four and four. <laughs> Four in five. Uh, four and five, and at four and five, basically have a stranglehold on that division. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that being said, Dak's not coming back this year, nope. so um, maybe Gilbert can win him another game or two. But I think four wins is probably the ceiling for the Cowboys now. Um, that's not going to be good enough. I think it's kind of a two-team race between the football team who lost a heartbreaker to the Giants and the Eagles, and I think the Eagles will make it a one team race within a couple weeks because I just think maybe they win a game. I'd have to look at their schedule to be sure, but maybe they win a game. Don't, don't spend too much time looking and the team. I just don't, I don't like the team's (laughs) chances. Um, so because whoever plays quarterback next is going to have a a terrible leg. I I will say like, it's quite possible that the only wins that these teams have are against each other. So from here on out, so maybe, maybe, the team wins the division games and the Eagles don't. I don't know who. I mean, honestly, are we going to say the Eagles are going to win? Have, have they played Dallas twice? I don't know. I can't remember who's played who. Played them once. I don't. Yeah, it was the twice. Danucci game. But if Gilbert plays yeah. that game, I think Dallas wins that game. So, I mean, again, yeah, because they're poor. They, I mean, he's not doing well at quarterback there. I like it's a bad quarterback division right now. At what point do you go to uh, Jalen Hurts? I mean, I know you're leading the division, but it's not like it's been because of your offense. 
you, you maybe mix him in a little bit just to see if he has a little bit of something that might be able to spark you to give you a hope of winning a playoff game. Because you're going to show up to a playoff game with no confidence. You might as find a way to have a spark. Yeah, I don't know who they would play. I guess they play the five seed if eight teams make it. I don't know, because the NFL is talking about maybe eight teams making it now for this year because of the pandemic, which in the NFC, that would be a mistake. But yeah, I think it's fine just to leave it at seven. I yeah, I think we should leave it at six. But yeah, I guess since we're already expanding it to seven, whatever. I've already said seven, so it's seven. But yeah, expanding it more will be I I let let the, the the conference leader have some kind of advantage, perceived advantage, whatever. Um, NFC South, we both have the Saints winning that Mm -hmm. division and we both have the saints winning the super bowl so Mm -hmm. give me a percentage how confident are you in that pick right now i'd say 40 percent. yeah i think before this week it was probably a bit lower Mm -hmm. but them coming out and really taking care of tampa bay that the hot team everybody was talking about uh i think it helps your view of that that they can rise to the moment I, I just was resting on the fact that they've been on the brink of going to the Super Bowl the last two years and just kind of gotten just, you know, the stars aligned for the other team and, and knocked the Saints out with referees making bad calls or miraculous plays happening behind a defender. It's I just thought that was what was driving them. They looked better last night, but yeah, I, I'm not over 50% confident with that pick. I would take some of these AFC teams ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I would want the Steelers to win over them, but I would still take the Chiefs over them, and that's who I had them playing in the Super Bowl. I would pick the Chiefs right now to win that game. I, I do look at this, though, like as we're saying this, how confident you feel in this. I don't know who I'm like sure of being ahead of them out of the NFC. We haven't talked about the West yet, but I – I don't know who I'm saying, oh, that team's better in the NFC. We're talking about Green Bay. They're 6-2, and two, the same record as the Saints, inconsistent. The NFC East isn't producing somebody that's going to go to the Super Bowl. Here's the division. Tampa Bay, they beat them twice, the Saints have. So, like, do I really think they're going to beat them a third time? I, yeah, I do think they could beat them a third time, especially after just beating them 38-3 to three last night. And then looking at the NFC West, and we're going to jump a little out of order here, the Seahawks are, are good. The Seahawks could is probably the, the best team you could put up for that. But they're going to have a dogfight in that division. They might be beat up by that time. They started off better than they've been these last couple of weeks. Russell Wilson was super the first two or three weeks, but has been throwing some picks since. So, I, I mean, I say I'm less than 50% sure, but I can't name you another team that I would definitely put in front of the Saints to represent the NFC. So, I, I mean, maybe I'm at right at right at 50. Maybe I'm a little better than 40. I don't know. I'd say that the NFC, you can still be 40% sure they're going to win the Super Bowl and then assign percentages teams, yeah. under that. But, and then that's still the most confident you feel. I guess it's just has an impact to me that I can't name one team that I'm like, oh, they're better. Yeah, and, and I think in the NFC especially, like you said, it's wide open. We saw the Seahawks get kind of dominated by the Buffalo Bills. Um, yeah. Their defense is, is bad. Their defense is bad this year in Seattle. That's not the Legion of Boom back there. That is, hopefully Russell Wilson can score more points than the other team this year. That's what that offense is. Um, the Cardinals are, they're better than we thought, but that's another team I don't necessarily buy. Uh, the Rams, even the Niners aren't out of it, I guess, but it's going to depend on who can get healthy for the Niners win. And that team is just decimated by injuries all over the place. So the Cardinals are the one team in that division. Neither of us had in the playoffs and and they're a team that's going to knock. They're going to still win some more games against some of these teams that we're talking about. Yeah. 
I still like Seattle to win that division. So I feel yeah, fairly confident. I don't think that's that. a bad pick. I had the Rams. They're still capable of doing that. I, yeah. I guess I'm I'm I've been sold on the Sean McVay stuff. I know you know they were in the Super Bowl and then they dropped back down. I just thought they'd kind of rebound a little more solidly than they have. But I mean, there's they're still sitting at five and three. They're still sitting in a good place to to get it going here this season. Um, we both had the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Obviously, they're not out of it, but they are the weakest looking team in that division, and it's injury related. We I mean, had them had, in the wild card, not the Super Bowl. Excuse me, in the playoffs is all I meant. Yeah, we both have them winning the wild or a wild card spot. So yeah, that's a that's the best division. We talk about the NFC East being the worst division. The NFC West is the best division in probably all of football. Um, so yeah, it's but I think Seattle is the best team in that division, but. They're still going to get beat by one of those teams below them. I mean, that's still going to happen this season. So jumping back to the South, we had Tampa Bay. I had Tampa Bay in the playoffs. You didn't. Uh, they do look like a playoff-capable team. I, I don't think they're going to make a run in it, but we both had the Falcons being a lot better than they are. We both had them in a wild-card spot, and that's a team that Tampa Bay should be able to take care of multiple times if they haven't. I guess they probably already played them once already. But Tampa Bay... I think they're going to make the playoffs. So I'm not against that pick there, but that we both look dumb with the Falcons. They just absolutely came out terrible in the season, already fired their coach. Um, I think they found two wins since then, but um, they're not going to, they're not going to playoffs. Um, yeah, I hear you. Um, I think they probably lose to the saints. The Raiders are at home. Panthers. Then they play. Oh God, they have the saints twice. I don't love that. Um, yeah. So that's eight losses. They have the Bucks twice still and the Chiefs. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so you just named five likely losses. <laughs> yeah. To a team I see. I think they split with the Buccaneers. Losses. I think they'll split with the Buccaneers. And Tampa Bay's not good. Can we be honest? Tampa Bay's not good. I don't like Tampa Bay. I don't think. I still think they're fake. I think the NFC is so bad they'll make the playoffs now. But I don't I think they're them. good. Um, yeah, I hope they go out quick. I don't like them. I. I and, and I'll say this, going back to our confidence in the Saints. The Saints will go to the Super Bowl if Drew Brees' arm can stay intact. Like, I have concerns about how much will be left in the tank by the time we get to the playoffs. But if he has enough in the tank for one last hurrah, then yes, the Saints can still win the NFC. If he doesn't... this is the walk-off. This if, is the walk-off. If he doesn't and his arm is like... 10 anything over 10 yards forget about it then i think you see seattle win this conference i don't think green bay is number two i i do think it is seattle number two despite their bad defense i think russell wilson is electric enough with dk metcalf to put up more points than most other teams most weeks so i still think they is... lose in the super bowl to the titans though <laughs> i think it's drew Brees's walk off no matter what um I know players don't like ahead of the Super Bowl like to say what they're doing. I just think by the time we get there, it'll be pretty well understood that this is it for Drew B's breeze. If he makes it to Super Bowl, that that will be the the send off party, win or lose. And um, yeah. Well, all right. I know you hate when we do this, but at at this moment, there is six minutes and nine seconds left in the third quarter, and the New York Jets are winning. Are they really by a field goal? <laughs> Yeah. What if Bill I, Belichick is tanking for Trevor Lawrence? Taking Cam Newton down with him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here, and let's just go straight to the D-block.
D-Block time here on the Axe Sports Podcast where we talk about ourselves, but no reason to jump into that until we make sure we acknowledge Veterans Day is this week, and we are both very thankful for what the veterans do, the sacrifices they make to give us the freedom that we have. That includes our freedom to talk about sports on a podcast because uh, that matters a lot less than what those guys are doing, guys and gals are doing overseas and and, and here. Um, so we just wanted to take this second to acknowledge, acknowledge Veterans Day like we should and uh, make sure that everybody understands uh, just that. Yeah, and I think... You know, it's important to realize, you know, with like you said, they give us a lot of freedoms and they're sacrificing their lives in some yeah. cases for those freedoms and honor to us. I mean, as chaotic as it's been, but an election day that was just last week is not possible without the sacrifices of our brave men and women, uh, it, you know, watching sports or being able to enjoy sports or any number of things that we do in our daily lives. The office, not, watching the office is yeah, a direct not result possible. of what they've been able to do for us. Yeah, not possible without the uh, sacrifice of the and we make jokes, and women. Seriously, yeah. I mean, it's we're thankful. Yes, we are. So, getting into what is dominating my life, and Joe, I'll, I'll just be honest: the election coverage this last week sucked me in. I'm not. We don't need to talk about the results and all that, but just the marathon that you watched on TV between CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, ABC. Um, PBS, all the marathons of news coverage. Of course, election night, that's what they plan for, so they're ready for that. But for then this to go on for days like this, and, you know, this is different than 2000 when it was, well, this is going to get decided here, and everybody's focused at Florida here, and it kind of, you know, there was a lull in the in the decision, in the, in the decision coming. Uh, this was any minute this could get decided for... <laughs> three days, four days. And, uh, I just, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I've never seen the news network say the same thing over and over and over and over that many times. I know they are known for stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was even to a, a exaggerated state. You felt bad for some of these guys working those mat boards, uh, for being up there. Uh, if you're talking about, you know, the guys on, uh, CNN, uh, was it John Keane? It's just, he was just saying the same thing over and over, pressing the same states, pressing the same counties. Uh, the guys on ABC, Chuck Todd on NBC, uh, and then the nerd that's in there during the day when Chuck Todd, I guess they let him sleep for a couple minutes. Um, I, it's just funny just watching that coverage and uh, just the anticipation that all these news networks had and basically most of Thursday and then all of Friday just being really nothing getting accomplished. I, I mean, you saw some state swing colors or whatever, but it was just crazy. So that, that dominated my last week uh, with the two TVs in the house, in the family room. I, I had one on news at all times. I flipped around a good bit, just trying to gauge where people were. I thought it was interesting this year. Um, and maybe I paid a little better attention on election. I particularly, when the AP was calling it compared to when the networks are calling it and how independent those decisions are being made. I thought that was really interesting this year uh, and a different dynamic for me to pay attention to on election night. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, that's what dominated my life this past week. It wasn't any movies. It wasn't any T shows. It was absolute news coverage of, you know, a big event for the country. So. Um. Yeah, I, I have a theory on why the AP and network calls are different times that I won't get into here. But, um, yeah, I, I was definitely plugged in on election night, like most election nights. Um, but once I realized that 
some states don't count early votes or, or mail-in votes until midnight. I, I went to bed at a reasonable hour at that point because I was like, okay, so this isn't going to be decided tonight. I knew Tuesday night we were not going to know who won. Um, I will, I'll be honest, I was surprised we didn't know who won until Saturday. Um, but we found out Saturday. I didn't, I did not watch every night. Um, I, I got out the phone and did a couple glances to see if anything was different. Um, and saw, like you said, some colors change on maps. Um, and then I got the AP alert, uh, Saturday morning when everybody else did. And, uh, that's when I knew that the election had been decided, but yeah, uh, definitely Tuesday night. I would, I would agree. It dominated my life. But uh, again, once I learned some States don't count mail-in or early voting until midnight, which is beyond me. Um, they got to fix that. <laughs> yeah, that's, they gotta, they there's no reason to not count votes when you have let's them. Count them. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's dumb, but, um, whatever that, that's a different podcast so but pennsylvania i i will say Pennsylvania, from what i understand pennsylvania didn't really have the mail-in voting system set up like a lot of these other states uh did beforehand and so they were kind of new to this and they tried to have some stuff in and didn't so like i understand the concept of why it was weird this time it's got you know you got well, some two years eventually common sense needs to four years before another major yeah eventually common off. sense needs to rule the day and you yeah. just kind of do what makes sense um, you but should have some bipartisan pretty support to get that cleaned up. <laughs> but um, what's dominating my life has been uh, no different than the last few weeks, but it's the English Premier League. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester City had a big, big match. Uh, and most of you probably didn't watch it because it was behind a paywall. And I'll assume that's the reason you didn't watch it. Um, it was on Peacock. And I learned that with the flex box that I have through Xfinity, I actually get Peacock premium for free. So that was kind of a cool discovery to have. So I was able to watch this after complaining that I wouldn't be able to watch some Premier League games. <laughs> but um, this was a 1-1 draw, which sucked uh, because I wanted to get the three points. But in all fairness, for Liverpool, it's okay. We're a point off the top. Leicester's at the top right now as they head into an international break. Uh, Tottenham right now is tied with Liverpool at 17. For Manchester City, though, the point is okay. But if they had left that with no points, if they had lost to Liverpool, that would have kind of been it for Manchester City this year. They would have been pretty done because just the amount of points they would have been behind. Uh, now they're, they have a game in hand behind... Uh, most teams in the Premier League with Aston Villa and Man United and Burnley, if they win that game in hand to get even with everybody else, then they'll only be two points off of Liverpool and Tottenham, which is kind of a big deal for them. But I also want to talk about the, just the sheer number of injuries in the Premier League this year. There's a lot of injuries. I think a stat uh, that was said by Rebecca Lowe during the studio talk uh, in the post game was injuries are up 40% from last year or something like that. And it's just because of what the pandemic did. The pandemic put that stop in last season, and then they finished last season. But when they did, it was so late in the season that the next year started like a month later. Uh, and, and quickly. And quickly. So, um, and maybe not even a whole month. I'd have to go back and look. But it was quick. And so you're having all these injuries because these players haven't had the time off. They don't have any time to recover. They're also going into international tournaments that have been pushed off a year. So that schedule is colliding with each other. And Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager actually kind of came out and said uh, what 
a lot of other coaches are thinking. And he said, look, I'm not asking for days off because I know that that's not possible to fit the schedule in. He goes, but there is no reason that we go playing Wednesday night and then play the first game on a Sunday. Give us the Sunday night game too to have the a few hours to rest. We don't even have the few hours. And that's what he's talking about with the Premier League and the way they've done their schedule. And he's mainly talking about TV networks there need to come to some sort of agreement. But like here in America, getting a TV network to do what's actually best for the athletes is going to be secondary to what they think is best for their ratings. What's interesting about what you're saying is the NBA is pushing to get started here before Christmas. And just, what was it, two weeks ago, we were mm-hmm. still playing basketball, or three three weeks ago maybe. Yeah, and we're going to see that's... that problem in the NBA, like you yeah. said. And we're going to see that problem uh, with, you know, <sighs> I, I think we'll see that problem not this year, but next year with FCS football. Because if they do play a spring season, you have almost no time off before the fall season then starts. So I think that's a very possible thing to see next year in the fall for FCS. It's good that they're doing a, a And maybe schedule. VHSL. And that, that, that could potentially be a problem in the VHSL. We'll see. Yeah, it's going to... Uh, what I keep thinking about is the small schools like our area and all of our area this would apply to you have you have these kids playing multiple sports you know the kid getting nicked up in basketball can really affect a football season really quickly and then a kid getting you know just a a normal little problem injury not a major injury can ruin his baseball season you know or track season so yeah it it it, that's what's going to be interesting to vhsl too um so what else is what i need to know uh, what I know that you need to know is ESPN announced another round of layoffs. This time, I think yeah. it was around 300. Uh, a lot of that pandemic-related. And I know I talked about earlier on this podcast, I don't have that short of memory, uh, that Justin Fuente has to be fired and his time at Virginia Tech is done. Does he? Oh. Um, but. <laughs> Had you said that before? Yeah. And, and I've said it a lot. And, <laughs> again, I understand the human aspect. I get Justin Fuente has a family. Yeah, but that is hard to. It is hard. It's hard to hear that stuff and then still come on this podcast and drive home. I still feel that way, but it does give me a second of pause of like, yeah, up, uprooting all these people, and it, it sucks. But that's the business he's bought in. That's the game. That's the that's the career he chose. So you like, right? Which is different. It's going to be affected. But he, you know, made this kid when. <laughs> when this was his career path. So, right. Okay. Which is a little different than, you know, working at a media company or something and thinking like, okay, as long as I do good at covering this, I'm going to have a job. And sometimes you don't even have to be good at covering it and you get to keep your job and you get promoted and put on Fox sports one and get to stand next to Shannon sharp or sit next to Shannon sharp. Sometimes that happens, but, um, they, Justin Fuente will also get another job. I I don't think Virginia tech is like going to be so bad that no one's ever going to hire him. I think he'll, he'll probably at least get least be a coordinator at a decent school. Oh, he'll he'll get a head coaching job. Eventually, I I, I, I think he could get a head coaching job at a G five school immediately if he wanted. At a G five, probably. I just I he's not going to get a P five head coaching job unless it's like not, not Vanderbilt, unless it's Vanderbilt, but um or a Vanderbilt esque program. But that's why I thought he'd get a coordinator job at a Power Six. That's why I said those words. Oh yes, you're right. I do need to start calling it the Power Six. Thank you, Leland. Um. But, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> one of the people that was laid off in the ESPN layoffs, in, in addition to like the journalistic department, which I think is very problematic for a company like ESPN, which 
I will say the in-depth journalism that gets done at ESPN appears to be less and less each year. But Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's a problem in itself. But Chris Cody is on the Dan Levitard show. He's one of the producers there, and he was in one of the layoffs. And the part that sucks about that is I, I've never met him. I've never met any of those people. I've never met any of the people I listen to on the podcast other than when I listen to our own podcast, and I know Leland. But um, We haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, but I like I've seen you before and I know you. Uh so like Tony Kornheiser when I listen to I've never met any of them. I've never met anybody on the Dan Levitar podcast. I've never met anybody on the NPR podcast or whatever hey, other Skip podcast. Bayless. You already you trash Skip Bayless. I met the guy. Uh, I, I'm okay that I haven't met Skip Bayless. I don't want to meet Skip Bayless. But yeah, it was, it was um, at the same time, like when you listen to these people every day and they're in your ears every day. And you hear about what's going on in their life, especially the Dan Levitard podcast, which sometimes you can go whole days without hearing an actual sports topic, which is fine. I, I don't mind it because it's goofy and fun and I have fun with it. Um, but they make it fun. And Chris Cody was one of like the most positive people on the podcast. He never went in in a bad mood. He was always positive no matter what had happened to his teams or whatever. He would always laugh and joke and have fun and try to like get everybody excited. Um, and now he's not there and they haven't had an episode since because the show, I don't know whether it was scheduled the whole time or not, but he gets laid off Thursday. No show Friday. The weekend happens. A statement gets released that Chris Cody says he was one of the ones that was laid off Thursday, making it official that someone on that radio show was laid off. Um, Monday, which is today that we're recording this, there's the hurricane threatening South Florida, so they didn't have the show today. I don't know if they're going to have it Tuesday or not. I don't know what the hurricane's doing. I haven't checked. Um, but I, I am interested to hear what Dan has to say. Uh, he is... It is well known that he does not uh, back away from controversy necessarily, especially when it comes to in-house controversy with ESPN. So... I don't know if he'll have anything to say on this or not, uh, but it sucks. And it sucks for everyone at ESPN that was laid off, and it sucks whenever anybody loses their job. But uh, it's just a reminder that, yes, even though, kind of along the lines what Leland said, even though Justin Fuente is a terrible head football coach, I don't want him to be homeless. And I can say he needs to be fired at Virginia Tech. I'm you say that. <laughs> I can say he needs to be fired at Virginia Tech because I know he'll get a job somewhere and he'll land on his feet and he'll be okay. Um, I hope the same is true for these people at ESPN that got laid off. And it's going to happen around athletic departments across the country too uh, for college sports. So I kind of hope the people behind the scenes that you don't know their names, the people that work in you know an SID department or uh, a booster department or something like that, I hope they land on their feet and are okay. Yeah, I, yeah, you really hope those guys, yeah, that only get listed on Christmas Day when they run through the credits of who makes Sports Center, those ones that got laid off, you hope they they find their footing. I two things on what you said. You know, Dan Levitard, I think it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. I agree. I I'll, I'll probably try to catch the clip of what he has to say or, or at least read what he says with with serious things that happen that are destructive to companies or country. I think you know, Levitard is one of those voices that I, I find it interesting to at least hear at least what is his point of view. I, I I don't usually agree with him on anything that's not serious. He irritates the heck out of me, but I will tune in for this because I want to hear what he has to say about ESPN layoffs. It reminded me of, you know, Chappelle on Saturday Night Live. Like, 
here's these people that are built entertainers that are usually trying to be funny or entertaining more so. But there's these guys that have different perspectives than I have that seem to really find the words and explanation in in times of great transition. Um, so it just it remind that reminded me of uh, of Chappelle this weekend too. I've also been watching the old Chappelle uh, on Netflix. It came out, so I've been watching that too. And uh, yes, that's been been interesting. And and this um, is the other edited, which is really interesting. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but this is the other thing too that we all need to do a better job of keeping in mind, myself included, especially at times. Um, these people, especially sports figures, like they're human beings too. At the end of the day, they're human beings. I know we get lost in, you know, the pageantry of sports and when Chris Davis strikes out 300 times in a season and makes me question why he's allowed to hold a baseball bat. Um, he is a human being, and I don't wish ill will on Chris Davis, the human being. I just wish he wouldn't wear an Orioles uniform anymore. And he's made enough money where his family's going to be fine no matter what happens to Chris Davis in terms of his baseball career. But we... In social media, especially, we need to be careful. Like when we say things like, and I, I can honestly say I've never done this, and I hope, um, none of my family has ever done this and would ever do this. But the the when people lose their minds over like an opinion that somebody has or a performance, especially performance is even more crazy, but to the point where like they started getting death threats and stuff like these are people like they're human beings. And it's important to realize in 2020 more than ever, these people are human beings and you kind of just need to have a little bit of compassion. Yeah. And even though Justin Fuente lost a Liberty, you know, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he's as happy as he can be. That being said, I would be happier if he was coaching somewhere not named Virginia tech. Another point I wanted to make before you set me up for our next topic really well, but I do want to double back. Connor Shell is also leaving uh, ESPN. He wasn't fired in this layoff. He is leaving to create his own um, production company. Connor Shell's the guy that's behind, like was one of the innovative guys behind the 30 for 30 series. He is the mm-hmm. guy behind the Michael Jordan. Yeah, whoops. Not great. Thing that. ESPN has produced in years. Uh, that's a big hole at that network. So you already talked about the journalism missing there. Now you're going to talk about the high quality pre uh, programmed um, shows that they're making, you know, documentary films that it's ESPN's a lot different. It's going to be a lot different these next five years. than it was these last 20. So it's, that's Agreed. what's up. Uh, but your great transition to having a little bit of sympathy and understanding these are human beings is that we lost Alex Trebek. And I think that's brought everybody to have that feeling about a celebrity and a TV person that everybody feels bad for um, his family, uh, the people around the show and also themselves. And I think that's, that's justifiable. When you talk about a cultural icon, like Alex Trebek, somebody that everybody knows, like you start talking about popular people in America, he's high on that list. Cause he's in, he has potential to be in everybody's house every single night. His voice, his personality is in, has the potential to be in everybody's house. And in so many people, I mean, that show gets great ratings for what it is at seven 30. And even though it's might just be background noises, people are making dinner or cleaning up from dinner or, um, you know, going out the door. I, 
he's he's like a family member to a lot of people that watch him every single night. So people's reactions that are very strong for this, I get it. I get it. I grew up watching um, Jeopardy, and my house, like my kids, you know, know we're we're affected by this. My niece was terribly upset about this. Our listener and brother-in-law Dan, he, you know, has tried out for Jeopardy because he idolized this this show and this person and and this um, you know, this level of of you know, education and class and, and, and that what, what this game show was. This wasn't just another game show. This isn't The Price is Right with a big wheel and squeaky sounds. And this wasn't Wheel of Fortune with the bright colors everywhere and Vanna White running around. This is a show that is casually classy. Yeah, not everybody's in a suit and tie, but everybody's dressed ready for business. And there is a consistent feel and theme to that show and a, a pace and uh, the, the dignity of it and how you present yourself and how you answer the questions. And I think it was a common level of class for that everybody in America understood that this show had. And when you go to create something in, in, in media – you know, are are you going in that direction or are you going in the other direction? And um, it's just a staple. It's an example of what TV can be if that's what you want it to be. But then to have Alex Trebek be that consistent leader of that for, you know, 36 years. He started on Jeopardy the year I was born and um, just carry that for so long. Be consistent. The show was never about him. But it was him. I mean, it just was him. And, and he never asked for it to be him. He never behaved in a way to draw attention to his behavior. Um, you know, there's the him answering the or doing the question clue with him rapping. That's the material he was given. And he and it, but it showed his character and his ability to be versatile, but still do it in his way and 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 provide the consistent class that he always did. Um, I was really excited talking about this after I heard the news on Sunday that the thought that Alex was able to see everybody's love and respect for him down the stretch. He announced that he had pancreatic cancer stage four, and he knew what that meant. And he was going to fight, but he knew what that meant. And he chose to do it his way. And that was keep working, keep going, keep pushing. And he was successful at that. Uh, he recorded episodes 10 days ago. They're going to play out the last 35 episodes that he recorded because he chose that's what he wanted. He, it's it's obvious he knew what was coming right now. And, and maybe not the day or the moment, but he knew that he probably recorded his last Jeopardy show. And so he got to handle it his way. And I really appreciate that for him. But I really do love the fact that for the last year, everybody has been able to tell him how much they meant to him. You see the clips of the guy filling out the clue of we we love you, Alex, and and him reacting to that. You hear about the guy just a couple of weeks ago that was on there that said he learned English from watching Jeopardy for these people to have that opportunity to say that to him. And then also send them the letters and send them uh, the Twitter comments and all that. I just, I think that's a very nice way. If you got to go, if you got to be taken down by such terrible disease and uh, pancreatic cancer to have the opportunity for people to tell uh, tell them how much that your life had meant to them and how much you impacted them just by hosting a half an hour television show. I think it's really great. I know that was a long winded to say in that, but I don't think you can overstate uh, the respect that this man deserved because he never did anything to shake that up. And uh, so all the credit to him. 
Uh, and it's a big loss to the to the landscape of television. Um, that show is an absolute classic. I, I would be shocked if we lose that show. Uh, people have already started talking about replacements. We'll leave that for another time. But um, that show will probably find a way to go on, but it will never be the same. And I and I don't think Jeopardy will ever be eager to to lose the aura of what it is and what Alex Trebek uh, created there. Yeah, um, and it's hard to it's hard to remember, but Jeopardy had a host before Alex Trebek and Alex Flem, but or Art Fleming. Sorry, um, I already messed up the name, and I had to <laughs> look at the Google just to make sure I got it right, and I didn't. Um, but Art Fleming and Alex Trebek was the second host, but like you said, Jeopardy and Alex Trebek have become synonymous, and yeah, it's yeah, and that kind of became his thing, um, and. That was really surprising to see. I believe that was Saturday. Um, Sunday. Sunday. Or su- was it Sunday? Oh, man. All my days are blurring blur together. But Open the shades, man. It was really hard. Yeah, well, I went to work today. so. Um, but it was, it was really hard to believe seeing that just because watching the episodes of Jeopardy that are on now, like you're like, he seems fine. Yeah. Um, and he recorded an episode 10 days ago. 10 days ago. Um, and he wasn't. That's when you watch these documentary or these like clips. The, the you know they had a t- they had an hour, they had an hour thing ready for it last night, and obviously that means it was in the can, uh, ready to go. But uh, yeah, it showed him like struggling backstage and people talking about him, seeing struggling backstage, and then the the lights were on and he was out there being a pro, and that's the way he wanted to handle. It. It's not. There's no shame in not handling it that way. Yeah. If, if you want to crawl up in a ball and scream and yell because you're in pain. That's your choice and have at it. But like, I do respect he went the way he wanted to go and, and handled, handled his job the way he wanted to. And it, it's, it was sad. Um, because like be you sad. said, it's like you said, it yeah. was Jeopardy has been a part of my life for a long time. Um, I, I grew up watching it at home with my family. Yeah. Um, I used to have to go to bed when Jeopardy was on. I, there was the blue screen. I actually hated Jeopardy then because I had to go to bed when the blue screen was on. <laughs> but um, and I, I still watch it now. And yeah, I've made sure to record in case I miss episodes now. Whereas before it would be like, oh, I just missed it tonight. I'll catch it tomorrow. Um, now I've started to record because I know like these are the last episodes with Alex Trebek. And yeah. I yeah, I don't know who the next host will be. I don't know when that decision will We're be made. Later. That's a that's a discussion for another time. Like you said, I'm sure we'll talk about it when they announce it, but it is incredibly sad to lose not just a celebrity, but a celebrity that, um, just when you, when you hear people who have been on the show, talk about him, they say it's not just an act. Like he is a genuinely nice person and genuinely like wants to discuss and is interested in them and likes having fun and joking around when the cameras are off with the contestants. And it's not like a, Hey, the cameras are on. I'll be, you know, yeah. Family man, your best friend. And then cameras are off double birds. I'm going backstage. Don't have time (laughs) for you. Like, um, and I'm not, you know, labeling anyone there. I, I, I wouldn't know who was like that, but, um, you're you're, you're talking about Drew Carey, aren't you? I'm talking about, well, maybe (laughs) I don't know Drew Carey, but, um, you just don't have these, you don't have these like blemishes where you're like, no. yeah, Alex Trebek was a great host of Jeopardy, but 
there was that thing in his past, that skeleton in his closet. And look, I'm not saying Alex Trebek is perfect. Nobody is. But I'm sure, you know, if you dig down in the weeds, maybe he littered one time in his life. I don't know. He's a Canadian, so, like, he's going to be pretty good in terms of human being standards. But um, it he was just... He was just a lot of fun to watch, and yeah, it sucks. It sucks, and people, people make fun of it. People use it as um, a template for comedy nonstop. I mean, Saturday Night Live, like every other week, it's a Jeopardy segment. I mean, it especially used to be now that not as much, but uh, that was a staple of that show. And then, and then them making fun. I mean, they had the Sean Connery who we just lost, but yeah. they had the Sean Connery character making fun of Trebek and the whole point of the joke and the ridiculousness of it was like he was he hated Trebek no one hates Trebek that's the joke and like, right. that's what made it funny and then Trebek I mean Alex knew it and and came on one time and, and played into it like like he's such a good dude and I mean everybody loved him and that and that's why I mean it's such a c- cultural icon I'm not gonna say pop culture just American cultural icon and um, his, I mean, he he'll forever be remembered that way. I mean, yeah. You, we talk about Cronkite and news. We talk about people like that. That this is that for for game shows for and and also, but like educational, like worthwhile game shows, not just spinning a wheel and seeing what that means for you. And if you get bamboozled or whatever, like you have. Well, and you I'll have say to be this: smart to be on that show, and you have to operate the game properly. And he was the leader of that and kept it all in line. And it's just. So good. When I think, you know, best game shows ever, I I do think Jeopardy first. Uh, It's the one that's still on. It has survived the test of time. It's one I always make sure I can watch if I can. And Very minor changes. It's never needed an overhaul. Yeah. It's it's a simple game. And it kind of feels like in a way, and we'll see again, if they decide to pick a new host, if they don't, I don't know. Um, But it does kind of feel like Jeopardy is like the last great game show. I know Wheel of Fortune has a similar runtime and it comes on, uh, you know, right before it. So it's kind of comparable maybe a little bit, but Price is Right dropped off drastically after Bob Arger. Um, I I hope that doesn't happen with Jeopardy. I like it. I'll still probably watch it. It won't be the same. I know that, but um, that's another thing though, talking about like the culture icon and stuff and just like the the game show now there's a bunch of different game shows on but they're not the same and they come and go and they don't i'm not like all the way in like who wants to be a millionaire is probably the closest thing that ever got to jeopardy and that had its moment in the sun and then it disappeared so we lost this year yeah this has just been great um but And, and I, you know, when I, when I saw the news, I just posted on Facebook, this sucks because that's all in the moment I could kind of put into words. And now I'm struggling to put it into words, but yeah, I guess oh, I'll, I I'll end by saying, I call my brother-in-law like, like, I'm not like a family member past, but like somebody we all know, like somebody that we know closely and care about and have been worried about, you know, that's, that was a call. I, I was a somber call that I get, that I called him. For this celebrity that lives in California that we never knew that made tons of money and but that's what he was to us and most well, American. I mean, like more more Americans than not. <laughs> right. And I guess, you know, to close out, I'll say kind of like what I was talking about with the ESPN layoffs, um, where I don't know these people. 
I don't know Alex Trebek. I've never met him. But I watched him every night. Every yeah. weeknight, I watched him. And if I missed it, I hoped... Hopefully, it was a Friday night that I missed because I was doing the radio, and that episode was on Saturday, so i try to watch it Saturday if there wasn't, like, a huge college football game that I needed to watch. Um, this and, is why DVR is great. But I, I watched him <laughs> and saw him, like, every weeknight. So it kind of feels like you know him because you see him all the time. And, yeah, I, I guess I'll just close how I put it on Facebook. This sucks. So... That'll do it for this week's Yak Sports Podcast. Follow us for brighter days and happier episodes, hopefully, on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify so you don't miss another episode. Uh, Jeff, be sure to tell me what you think about UVA's uniforms because I do uh, want to know what you think about those. But in a, and other than that, if you think Justin Fuente deserves more time, tell us. I won't yell at you on Twitter. Wants it. We um, used to root for UVA coaches to stay on there. He's probably rooting for Fuente to stay. They beat us last time. Why, why not? Yeah, I won't yell at you on Twitter. I'll just think you're wrong. Um, but <laughs> um, tell us anyway. Tell us uh, who you like in the Super Bowl at, at the midway point, who you have in the playoff. I think for college football playoff, we didn't talk about this. I meant to, but. You mentioned the ACC championship should be a play-in game. I think the SEC championship should be a play-in game. I think the Big Ten championship will probably end up being a play-in game. And then I think Cincinnati's the fourth. So, uh, hopefully. But it probably won't be because they'll find a way to screw Cincinnati like they do every year. But um, Cincinnati just loses before then. They won't lose. They're not going to be in. They will not. They, they aren't even going to take the calculated risk of putting them up against an Alabama in the first round. But anyway, until next week. We hope you enjoyed the Yak Sports Podcast, and have a great week, folks. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 